in a chemical world, and I'm a chemical nondescript person. We are living in a chemical. Shining back at me I'll fight that dreaded monster As long as I can breathe But there's nowhere in this world That monster won't find me Nowhere in this world That monster won't find me The walls they are building They're strong But how strong? The walls they are building They're long But how long? There's nowhere in this earth that I can rest in peace Nowhere in this earth that I can rest in peace The walls they are building, they're strong, but how strong? The walls they are building, they're long, but how long? How I have seen the bloody masses and I have heard their wails I can mend their wounds and I can wash their feet But there's no reprieve in this world when our brothers are diseased There's no reprieve in this world when our brothers are diseased The walls they are building, they're strong, but how strong? brothers are diseased. There is no reprieve in this world when our mothers are deceived. There is no reprieve in this world when our brothers are diseased. There is no reprieve in this world when our brothers are diseased. The walls they are building, they're strong, but how strong? The walls they are building, they're long, but how Welcome to Chemical World. That was Muggsy Faye with the song How Long. I am Kenna Crampton, joined in studio with Muggsy Faye, a.k.a. Maggie <laughs> Seldine, founder and director of High Rockies Harm Reduction, singer, songwriter extraordinaire, and not used to singing capo in a microphone. So that we went a little high pitched just for funsies there. <laughs> oh, well, I enjoyed it. I didn't notice that it seemed uncomfortable for you so <laughs> you just you know i just love that's the beauty of uh i guess my style but i think all music is it's a different song every time you know yeah yeah i was actually thinking about that while you were playing just about how um 
you were trying to play with a bass player recently. Like, well, actually, that was like years ago. But recently, how you yeah. were like, <laughs> you know, I just I'm just not cut out for that. And I and I think that there's something really good. Really, oh, that's fine. I think that you know, music is what it is. And people are going to enjoy it or they're not. <laughs> yeah. And that's I've had to kind of like let that go, like this fear that like people aren't going to enjoy my music. It's like, who cares? <laughs> like, it's great if you do, but that's not really why I make it. And so, um, yeah, that song, How Long, I am slowly but surely um, pushing out my third album here. And that one I actually wrote like, yeah, pretty recently, like February 2020. Okay, and so yeah. um, it's been sitting around for a long time, uh, but I wrote it, you know, about HIV and we I'm a firm believer that we can end HIV in our lifetime and then it just has taken on so many more meanings since writing oh, it oh okay yeah because I remember I remember seeing you post it one time okay I so think. I did record it and post I, it somewhere. I think because I've definitely heard it and okay. I remember that yeah like he said February 2020 and then like it just ended up being making so much sense when the pandemic right yeah it was and it's really just, strange and, it is, and, it, and even like when I wrote so it, so are you a fortune teller? I guess. <laughs> well, and when I wrote it, I oh my god, don't even get me started on like the sketch that I was writing for the apocalypse burlesque show that got canceled because of COVID. Because that oh, was freaky, that's right. like what we were writing, and then we had to like shut everything down. So maybe, but Crazy. I didn't mean for anything to happen. But I, when I was writing that song, <laughs> the tone, the tone of it was very much like reminiscent to me of the local band um, Let Them Roar. Okay, uh-huh. And uh, just being very inspired by Olivia Pevick and, you know, just their music and their very, you know, strong social justice and human rights themes within mm-hmm. their music, right? And it was funny because there was something that was, like, sounding so familiar about the song to me. And I was like, oh, it's just because it reminds me of Let Them Roar. But then um, I went back. And that's I couldn't remember if I had that song recorded and put online anywhere because I've done some, you know, live stream shows uh, since the pandemic started as well. But oh, I think that must have been what it was. But anyway, I on. also get really, really emotional usually when I when I introduce that song and talk about it because the title, How Long, um, also inadvertently, and, and I think it's just like I knew this on a subconscious level because now I will say, even though this isn't originally how I wrote it, but that title came from the Martin Luther King speech that was given in Selma, Alabama after the march. Um, and that speech is colloquially referred to as how long and in it he um, talks you know he he says near the end of the speech how long will to paraphrase will we be fighting injustice and Mm -hmm. he you know is how long will all of these things continue to happen and these barriers continue to be here how long not long was what Martin Luther King Jr. had to say about it and so I generally get very emotional but I'm really excited to um, put this album together and just very excited to share this song with the world after so long because it's very meaningful to me. (laughs) Well it was really it's really great I I really enjoyed it. Thank you that was a really pretty version of it Um, but yeah excited to be back here uh, on the air pre-recorded for our October episode and uh, we I was not able to share overdose data for the state of Colorado in August, which is generally when I like to share that data. And it usually comes out in June. Um, But this year, you know, everyone is feeling the staff shortage, the burn. I I think all of us are doing the job of like five different people. Um, Bless your sweetheart soul if you are a hard worker because it is rough out there right now. And so it took them a little while longer to get this year's overdose data out. And we got so derailed in September's episode. We were too excited about what we were talking about. 
about. So I wanted to yeah, you share. Can tell some, that we were really excited. They're I mean, passionate. No, I'm just kidding. Passionate yeah. about the topic. No, yeah, totally. So I thought um, I could share some overdose data, and I think again, you know, that song, "How Long," the line, "There's no reprieve in this world when our brothers are diseased," mm-hmm. because we can cure HIV, um, but our brothers, our sisters, our mothers, our our friends, our communities are plagued by so much more than HIV. They're plagued by hepatitis. They're plagued by addiction. They're plagued by suicide, car accidents, you know, all of these things, uh, domestic violence, homicide. And so I think overdose deaths are a huge part of that as well and, and just a huge symptom of just the general societal illness. So I thought that how long would be a good introduction to this conversation today. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, give us the data. What What is it looking like? So we all kind of knew. Um, I mean, if you're uh, out here breathing, if you know people who are using, overdoses are through the roof. And we're not seeing half of what's happening in our communities, in the newspapers, and pertaining to violent crime and all sorts of things. We're kept very much in the dark because many of our you know, local media sources or powers that be still want to tout places like the Roaring Fork and Vale Valleys as safe places to bring your family for vacation. But there are problems happening in our communities and there are people dying and there are young people dying and primarily from accidental fentanyl poisoning. So it's really not even fair to call these fentanyl deaths overdoses because from, you know, my friend, the injection drug user, the injection heroin user to the, you know, 19-year-old who takes a pill or the 15-year-old or the 10-year-old who takes Mm -hmm. a pill and doesn't know what it is, none of those people were intending to ingest fentanyl. Yeah. There are people who do intentionally abuse fentanyl, but when we see people who are getting you know, who are dying from fentanyl in their heroin, their cocaine, their MDMA, their fake pills, that is a fentanyl poisoning. You can't call it an overdose because they never met, right? Like they didn't mean to even take that drug. Mm -hmm. But I just want to kind of pump us up um, for these numbers by just saying, you know, yeah, we we knew it was getting bad. We know people are still dying in our communities all the time and in our valley all the time and young people. So in 2020, there was about 1,400 overdose deaths from any drug across the entire state. So about, you know, a thousand and a half-ish overdose deaths. And there was about 544, I believe, um, of those overdose deaths had specific mentioned fentanyl. Now, it's very unlikely that any that like the majority of fentanyl overdoses and the majority of all overdoses are going to have multiple chemicals in your system. Mm-hmm. That and, makes sense. And with fentanyl poisonings, excuse me, specifically, there's like two kind of general ways it looks because again, people do get medical fentanyl, and then we have the illicitly manufactured fentanyl that's contaminating things, right? And so. Often, when you see the toxicology report from anyone who died from fentanyl poisoning, there's not just fentanyl, right? There's going to be, like, all these other weird chemicals and potentially all of these other weird sedatives um, for two different reasons. One, because say you, you know, had – say somebody overdosed and died from fentanyl in their heroin or cocaine – that drug probably had a variety of other things in it that, you know, dealers use to cut the product and make it – you know, last longer. So 
there's usually all sorts of weird chemicals and illicit drugs. Some of them might be psychoactive, like other kinds of sedatives um, that are mixed in there just to, you know, make you think you're getting high. Uh, or things like baby aspirin or even, you know, cow bones, whatever, like anything that could just look like a white powder. Yeah, one thing that I heard about being in cocaine is something called crocaine. That's like a a numbing agent. Mm. And it's so like that, like that's what, so it ends up, it doesn't really get you high, but it makes you get numb, like when yeah. you do nummies or whatever. But um, I've yeah, heard so. that too. I think I've even heard of like lidocaine and cocaine before yeah. because it's like you think that you're getting high because it's like numbing up your face. I also had a friend recently say to me, I should have known, or she was like, I just think so much of my cocaine was cut with meth because I would take it and I'd be grinding my teeth all night. And I'm like, I guess I just don't even know what cocaine is supposed to do to you because yeah. <laughs> I, don't know I never ever thought that. Yeah, yeah, you know, and that's like, that kind of leads to the larger conversation of the need for reality-based drug education and how yeah, one of my arguments totally. for that is like if you know what ketamine is supposed to do to you, then you know that you actually took Molly and not ketamine or whatever the situation yeah. is, yeah. you know. And then you can also like know what tools that you need to whatever potentially respond to a, an emergency situation. So it's um, interesting stuff. But anyway, so there you know are fentanyl overdoses where people have illicit contamination and there's potentially other things and they're potentially mixing drugs, cocaine, heroin, alcohol, benzodiazepines, pills, whatever. And then you see like the same tox report where you've got fentanyl, lidocaine, hydromorphone, all of these sedatives, all of these opioids, and that is the toxicology report of people like Tom Petty, Prince. Michael Jackson, where they had okay. legal prescriptions for mm -hmm. like, and that's, I look at that and I can't imagine a doctor who would legally prescribe propanol and fentanyl and heroin and yeah. oxycodone and hydromorphone, but I don't know, man. And like, and that's the thing too, is we hoard medications and yada, yada, yada. But I digress. I just wanted to talk a little bit more about fentanyl and, and the ways we see it come up. But well, I, sorry, I just have to say that yeah. I think that that is a really important distinction because there is a difference between somebody who's experimenting maybe even for their first time with some drugs because they're 15 and a lot of their friends are and they end up taking something that's contaminated and oh and and dying from it and then there is a difference between and then there's the person who's been using regularly and doesn't know that it's in there. And then there's a difference between someone who is literally taking fentanyl because that's what they want to be taking. You know, I mean, there's so many differences between the ways and reasons that people are taking drugs. And I do think that it's important to distinguish between someone who is intentionally taking drugs and intentionally taking the drug that they are taking. Totally, yeah. And sometimes it can be very difficult to tell, like in the cases with people like Mac Miller or Philip Seymour Hoffman. They both uh -huh. had fentanyl in their toxicology reports after they died, but they both had like cocaine, heroin, and Xanax and other things. And so did they know that they were taking fentanyl or was there fentanyl in their other yeah. drugs? Like it's very hard to say. Yeah, yeah same thing with Justin Townsend that I was curious about because he had cocaine and fentanyl and I was curious if like maybe Maybe he just wanted to be doing some cocaine. or But, you know, who knows? Who knows and what was really going on? There? I want to add, too, that, like, fentanyl is only one illicit opioid. And it's, like, the problem that we're dealing with right now. But, like, we have been seeing other things coming out, other, you know, lethal opioids that aren't fentanyl that could also contaminate drugs. And the minute that we get on top of the fentanyl crisis, there is going to be something else uh -huh. around the corner. You know, that's just the way it is. And so, really, it's just, like, we need to be extremely careful whenever we're using illicit drugs. Yeah. We to go slow, always carry Narcan, try not to use alone, try to have safe adults, and try to get the proper education out there, you know, for people so that 
they can have the choice like it, it's not fair when we can't even make an educated decision you know like we mm-hmm. don't even know what we're using so fentanyl deaths are not usually just fentanyl and there are lots of other things but the bottom line is that we had about 540 fentanyl over like deaths with specific mention of fentanyl in Colorado in 2020 and that number practically doubled to over 900 overdoses with specific mention of fentanyl in Colorado in 2021. Okay. Not only did that number practically double for the like fourth year in a row in Colorado, but the grand total number of overdoses in Colorado only increased by about a like a third to a quarter to about 1800, so there were 1,881 overdose deaths in the state of Colorado in 2021. Half of those had specific mention of fentanyl. Okay. So we went. And these um, are only the overdose deaths that we know about. Yeah, exactly. Which I think that are, I, you always make sure mm-hmm. to mention because that is different from the reality. But this is what we know, and that's the only thing that we can give you. <laughs> yeah, and thank you because actually that's what I was going to say too, kind of about like just other drugs coming up is, um, you know, we don't always know. Families don't always get toxicology reports. Families don't uh-huh. always want to talk about it when there mm-hmm. are drugs involved. I've lost a lot of people in recent years where all I know is they were using alone mm-hmm. um, and so I assume that there was something in their drugs that killed them whether that's fentanyl or something else um, so that's it's difficult to know what's going on and also we don't really know a lot about overdoses that are reversed mm-hmm. so we you know I mean here at Katie and Kay we say if you know what are they like for every one person that calls imagine a hundred people are listening kind of thing yeah so like mm-hmm. for every one overdose reverse I I get told about so like right now on average I'll get told about two to five a year I mean that could potentially be a lot more reversals and that's I'm sorry those are just reversals from my supply there are more Mm -hmm. reversals happening in the community but when I directly give somebody Narcan and they directly say I use that to save someone's life that only happens a couple times a year but that doesn't mean that it's not happening more and I Uh know it's happening more in the community with Narcan that EMS or well Naloxone that EMS uses, Narcan that police officers use, and Narcan that we have distributed throughout the community. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, and it's it's something like we have to also take in mind, keep in mind when you say over the last few years it has doubled every year that it's like one year it was like, like 50. 50. And then the next year it doubled. And then the next year it doubled from that number that it was previously. So it's, you know, it hasn't doubled in the last few years. It's doubled every year in the last few years, yeah, you know. Yeah, so increase. It's like, you know, when you're at a dead show and you start with one hit of acid and then the next night you double it and then the next night you know. <laughs> it's like, where but, <laughs> are we going with this now? It's so true. Oh, but no, yeah, but, no, I mean, but then, now they're at yeah. the Magic Beans show, Kenna. They're oh, not yeah. at the dead show anymore. <laughs> Get it right. Well, oh, Dead and Company. Yeah. They, they're still touring. Yeah, but I think it's Magic Beans. Okay. Uh, somebody yeah, was wearing uh, a Dead and Company shirt on a show I was watching recently and it was just funny because it was like, I don't know, I always think new deadheads are funny. Like, yeah. What got you on this. I think it's funny too because I one time I had somebody like be like oh, ripple what a like oh, you know and I'm like but but just because it's like their most popular song doesn't mean that it isn't one of their best songs yeah like it's okay to still love it and like it was like an old deadhead who was into it and a new deadhead who was like oh, ripple oh, yeah. and I'm like oh you don't even know what you're talking about but anyway okay we digress Enough judgment <laughs> on the different levels of deadhead 
fandom. <laughs> which, by the way, that just reminds me, and I may have said this on the show before, but I want everyone to know that I'm walking through life, driving down 82. I'm not driving down 82, actually. I'm going everywhere I can to not drive down 82. Oh, uh-huh. But I'm Trumpian. trying to tell myself, the same way I'm trying to remind myself that people are going through their own stuff when I'm in the grocery store, that I am the bad driver on the road because... I actually feel like I'm a very good driver. I'm a very safe driver. I've been driving for 20 years with very minimal accidents and tickets. But my point is, like, if we could all just be open to the fact that we're the ones in the wrong before we, like, fly off the handle and road rage mm-hmm. at somebody else. And Because I find myself driving down the road, and I'm, like, just trying to go 55. And the next thing I know, just because I want to pass somebody, I'm tailgating someone going 75 around a turn. It's yeah. like we all have the <laughs> – or I also say we're all just, like, one, like – insult like public insult away from a full-blown Karen meltdown like we're all right there people. yeah <laughs> but you know I think it's just we we like I just on the note of like judging the different deadheads like we're all just learning and passing through this world together none of us knows everything and just we need to give the, the young deadheads some grace to to because you know right now they're going to be making fun of you and then 20 years from now they're gonna be like i get it i get ripple i couldn't get it back then yeah but now i get it because that's really how i was when i was younger too you know I'd be like and it's funny that you said that because now i've been making a playlist with all of like my favorite my favorite songs throughout the years and I usually end up it's like the most popular song that a band uh-huh. has and I'm like well because that's the nostalgia factor that's yeah. what I'm looking for totally. you know and it's the music of your people it's the music of my people <laughs> it's true I'll never live that down um, okay sorry this it. this was nice we had a little bit lighter of an episode for this October episode and so we're just having fun um, even though this is not fun data that you're giving us so uh, we're excited for it to be you know cooling down cooler heads will prevail and Mm -hmm. again yeah this data I mean it's not good Uh, you know overdoses have been increasing but there's also like federal dollars and a lot of attention being put to this and I also always say that in times of great adversity come great change Uh and we're kind of part of something right now and that's what gives me a lot of hope and makes me feel really excited is that we are a part of this like global movement towards more compassionate care, you know, Mm -hmm. towards more care for ourselves, for our environment. I feel like everything I've been saying today, I'm like quoting this new um, book that someone gave me called The uh, Red Road to Wellbriety, and it's like the Native American AA book. And, you know, language is so important and culture is so important. And so to be able to hear a lot of the same messaging from AA, but put kind of more into language I can understand has been really important. And they just talk a lot in there about like these different levels of healing that have to occur, that we have to heal ourselves and be kind to ourselves. We have to heal our neighbors and be kind to our neighbors. And they talk a lot about like this healing forest. And I love this analogy where if you take a tree out of, and this is like, to me, this is rehab too, right? If Mm -hmm. you take a tree out of a dying forest and heal the tree, what happens if you just put it back in the dying forest? It's not going to heal all the trees around it, right? So we have to like heal our forest. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I, like I mean, I don't know why I'm thanking you. I, I agree that it's very beautiful. <laughs> I would highly recommend. And, you know, we are so lucky, not just here in Carbondale, but across the state, to really have a lot of uh, cool 
support options, uh, particularly for people in recovery. Here in Carbondale, we, of course, have John Bruna and Mindfulness and Recovery and A Way Out and Jaywalker and mm-hmm. a meet, The Meeting Place and just a really robust recovery community for young folks here, I would say. Yeah, and I – because I, I listen to a lot of different podcasts, and it does feel like nationwide it still is very, like, narrow-minded when it comes to addiction and recovery that, like – 12-step programs are the only programs which, I like, they work and there is evidence to prove that they work. But I think that, you know, as the population grows, everybody's, everybody is different, as we always say on the podcast or the public affairs show. But um, it's true. And you have, you know, there just has to be other options for everybody. And I think that it's kind of slowly getting out there. But we're lucky here in this community to have so many different options for people. Hey, excuse me. I agree. And that's kind of why I founded High Rockies Harm Reduction, too, you know, is is seeing the need for secular non-abstinence recovery in a community that utilizes recreational and medical drugs and substances of a variety of kinds. And um there was something I really wanted to say, so hold on just a second. While I, oh. And I agree that there is – sometimes I even still feel like a little drowning in the faith-based community, which uh-huh. like I love and support. But, you know, I think it is still taking time for us to kind of grow away from that narrow focus. And I saw a great keynote speaker back in August who said that treat, like rehab treatment really only works for like 25% of people who use it, which I think statistics in recovery, like the only 10 or 2% of people die sober, like who's getting that data? Like this data is like a little absurd. But at the same time, I appreciated that because I think it's like we are focusing on this and what we need moving forward. And I think it's poignant as we're entering election season is to have very real conversations about what this treatment looks like, because Uh we are starting to focus more on treatment as instead of punishment. But we have to be aware that these 12 step models or these treatment models, while they do and can work, they don't work for everybody. Uh And a lot of people can it, it can cause serious harm too, like the overdose risk for people leaving treatment centers or jails are very high. So a lot of outcomes for people in treatment centers are the same as if they were sent to jail, is my point. And I just think we need to, yeah, like people keep talking about treatment, treatment, treatment. It's like, okay, what does that treatment look like? Because it's often too expensive, inaccessible, too much time, all these things. And it doesn't heal the forest. It just heals the tree. Yeah. And so I just think we need to start being more creative about, yeah, like what our treatment options look like. And let people, you know, to an extent be the diviners of their own destiny and what their treatment looks like for them. And we can't decide that, and it might be baby steps until people can, are ready for, for real help too, you know? And that's, I think, as people who are supporting those seeking help, we have to just be patient and loving and kind as much as we can, as much as is safe for us. Totally. And if you do know anybody who needs help or if you need help yourself and you would like to check in with Maggie or you need some pure support, you can reach her at Maggie at HighRockiesHarmReduction.com. And you can also keep up on any events or anything coming up with High Rockies Harm Reduction at HighRockiesHarmReduction.com. We do need to start wrapping up. Full disclosure, at the timing that this is aired, I will be on my way to Puerto Rico. So I will not be okay. in the office for a week. But yes, please email me with any comments, questions, needs. I would love to connect with you, support you, uh, talk your ear off. 
yeah. or listen. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Chemical World. Chemical World airs every second Monday of the month. Our next episode will be airing on November 14th. At 4.30 p.m., you can listen to past episodes at kdnk.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, you don't have to be sober to keep your community clean. Mm-hmm.